the blast from our past network. Hello and welcome to the Blast from Our Past podcast, where the podcast gives you full-on movie breakdowns, TV show reviews, and a whole lot more, all from the things of our nostalgic past. I'm Adam. I'm John. And I'm Brian. Brian is back! In the house, and I'm not sure I'm excited. <laughs> we, Brian, we love not you, Troy, Brian. You may remember you from such films as Midnight Madness and Lady Hawk. Yes, uh, from such film podcast reviews as <laughs> two of my least favorite things we've ever talked on uh, on this show. <laughs> so. You haven't had a good run. I'm not going to lie. Um, you've turned it into a joke as if you're torturing me. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe it is. So, uh, Brian, you know, you're a patron, but uh, remind everybody a little bit about yourself. Uh, I live right outside Raleigh, North Carolina. Uh, Brian McClure, field service for a large medical company. And uh, I watch a shit ton of movies. I always have. Yeah. <laughs> yes, you do. I know you had to take a break for a bit, but where are you at in the 100 AFI? I think I'm at... 43, 44. Um, it's not okay. AFI, it's uh, Warner Brothers. Their list of. Oh, that's right. Yeah, their box set of 100 greatest movies of Warner Brothers. Um, just finished uh, Whatever Happened to Baby Jane, Viva Las Vegas is on deck, followed by Dr. Zhivago. Okay. Hmm. All right. Those are titles I've heard. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of those classics. There's a lot of classics I have not seen. But we're like, it's that. Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf? And then I'm into like everything that like. Cool Hand Luke 2001, like the, the last 50 some are going fly by. It's everything I'm familiar with. And so my mom showed me Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf about maybe five years ago, maybe probably, no, probably like a decade ago. It blew me away how good that movie was and how good the acting was in that film. I remember watching it, in, I think it was a psychology class or sociology class or something. Yeah. But like back in high school, I've seen it once, but that was it. Well, today we are not watching a classic from the Warner Brothers list. We are watching and discussing Crossroads. We'll talk about your motivation as to why you cared about these properties. And we're also going to be doing uh, 21 Jump Street. And we're going to be doing our own recasting of the film Crossroads. So I'm excited to hear about you know why they're important to you. We'll get that when we go into each of those segments. Uh, but as for now, John... Came out in the year 1986. Could you please give us that synopsis? Or not give us that synopsis. That's a totally different show. That's my Cartwright show that I have Corey give us synopsis for. John, could you set our minds back to 1986? So the film was released on March 14th, 1986. The Billboard Top 100 single for that week uh, is from a band we've talked about before, but I can't remember if we've mentioned this one, but this is my favorite one from this band, and that's Kyrie by Mr. Mister. Yeah, I can't remember if we talked Kyrie or Broken Wings before, but Kyrie is my favorite of the two. Great song. Great song. Oh, yeah, so good. Uh, Cosby Show, topping the Nielsen ratings. Of course. Um, I think we must have done a, a movie that was released around the same time because the the video game that had just been released about a month prior to this one uh, was Legend of Zelda. Oh, yeah, we did. We talked about that like within the last year, I think. Yep. And the New York Times bestseller was The Born Supremacy. By Robert Ludlum. Ludlum, All right. excuse me. A book I've heard of. Yes. 
never gonna read the the born books but nope. i might watch the movies eventually i still i've seen i don't know if i've seen any of the movies they're good they're good okay. action thriller sort of suspense you know yeah. movies i enjoy them how was the the jeremy renner one because didn't he become the that guy? one i haven't seen yet okay it's kind of the other? funny with books like is it diane still or not like for the best selling that week like <laughs> yeah and then uh, my fun fact for 1986, this was the year that saw the release of the Cool Ranch Doritos. Oh, yeah. I'm sure we asked a question about that on Throwback. I'm sure we have. I forget that it was not until 86 that yes. I'm older than Cool Ranch Doritos. That just doesn't make sense. And in my opinion, the best flavor of well, Doritos. that's just stupid. No, it's not. It's <laughs> your opinion best. is stupid. My opinion is valid and correct. I am invalidating your opinion. You have no you worth have anymore. No, Especially you in the have realm of no food, power here. <laughs> I mean, aren't you both from the Midwest where like ranch is a staple? Well, we were born there, but we're both from the South is kind of how we how we say it, I think. Yeah. I'm so. I'm I, I always say I'm Iowa born but Georgia bred. Yeah. That was nineteen eighty six. Uh right. Hashtag cool ranch for life. Oh God. <laughs> All right. Well, let's talk us. Some crossroads. Crossroads, as we mentioned. Uh, this film was released in 2002, directed by Tamra Davis. Uh, she also did you want to try that again? Billy Madison music videos. You watched videos. the wrong movie, didn't you? Um, yeah, it's cast by uh, Lucy, was played by Britney Spears, ah, Ben gotcha. by Anson Mount from Inhumans, and Kit by Zoe Saldana from the MCU and Avatar. So, uh, this is, um, no, 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 no. I did, I did watch the wrong movie. Of course, today we are talking about Crossroads, the 1996 Billboard number one hit by Bone Thongs and Harmony. See you at the Crossroads, Crossroads. See you at the My bad. No, I'm sorry. Keep, keep, keep going back. <laughs> keep keep going. going back. There's got to be another one somewhere. We're actually, actually talking Crossroads from 1986. This film was directed by Walter Hill. He directed 48 Hours, Brewster's Millions, Red Heat, uh, Last Man Standing, uh, multiple other things. Uh, he was also a writer, but not on this film. He wrote uh, at least this. I think it was the screenplays for uh, The Warriors the entire, pretty much the entire Alien franchise, and many of the ones um, that I had mentioned that he directed, he had also kind of done some writing for as well. Uh, written by John Fusco. This was actually his first feature writing credit, but we would know him from Young Guns and the Young Guns sequel, mm. as well as Hidalgo and uh, Spirit, that animated horse movie. This was also his, uh, like his senior research project or whatever selling the like the this movie writing it so oh that's cool. yeah he was a student when he did this uh the music was done by rye cooter and he's done some films with uh, walter Hall, walter hill as well but he is also very well known as a guitarist and a ses- session musician mm-hmm. in his own right um i saw he at one point rolling stone magazine ranked him as the number eight guitarist of all time in their 2003 list 
And in the 60s, he was part of a trio alongside Bill Monroe and Doc Watson. Uh, and he's recorded with people like Eric Clapton, the Rolling Stones, Taj Mahal, Van Morrison, John Lee Hooker, and numerous others. So I'd never heard of this guy, John. Uh, you're the music dude. Have you heard of this dude before? Oh, yeah. yeah you know? Uh, absolutely. Okay. That's a name that has popped up throughout my music career, especially when I started playing guitar. Um, just seeing his name, because I, I read Guitar World magazine like crazy, would learn the, uh, all the songs in there. Uh, articles would pop up about him. Uh, it was instantly a name I recognized. Okay, very cool. Uh, the cast for this film, Eugene Lightning Boy Martone. It's played by Ralph Macchio. We all know him from The Karate Kid, Outsiders, My Cousin Vinny, Cobra Kai. Uh, Willie Brown is played by Joe Seneca. He was in The Blob, Malcolm X, and A Time to Kill, and some other things. Francis is played by Jamie Gertz. The Gertz. Uh, Corey from... Cartwright knows he's got a massive thing for the Gertz, uh, but she was in Lost Boys, Twister, and an episode of Seinfeld, and she is actually worth $2 billion uh, right now because she did marry well. She married the guy who owns the Atlanta Hawks, uh, and so good for her. Honestly, I'm shocked the Atlanta Hawks are worth that much. <laughs> <laughs> well, I didn't say they are, but, but she the is. guy who owns them. Yeah, <laughs> okay. she is the guy who owns them, so... <laughs> Uh, Scratch is played by Robert Judd. He had not really done anything else, uh, but I did like his look for this film. And Scratch's assistant is played by Joe Morton, and we love Joe Morton on this podcast. We know him from Terminator 2 more than anything else, as well as uh, the DCEU and a good bit of stuff. <laughs> and then uh, Jack Butler, who only pops up at the very kind of end of the film, is... A cameo by Steve Vai, who is another all-time great guitarist of all. Like, just uh, he's he's amazing. He's yeah. played with a lot of different people and put a lot of solo uh, albums out as well. And, and, so. and we'll get there. I'm jumping the gun a little bit, but the the duel at the end, it's it's Ry Cooter and Steve Vai, like actually playing that. Oh God, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That that makes sense. That totally makes sense. So, all right, um, Brian, I want you to tell us, like, why are we talking Crossroads right now? So 86 was a pitiful year. Um, maybe with Jamie Gertz, I don't know. 86, 87. <laughs> there were three movies that she did, like, all back-to-back, and I swear I haven't heard from her since. I mean, I know she's popped up in episodes here or there, but she did this, she did Lost Boys, and she did Quicksilver. Um, Quicksilver right. is a Kevin Bacon bicycle messenger movie, but it's probably how I got into race, how I, what started my love of bike racing. Um, mm-hmm. This movie started my desire to want to play the guitar that just has never really materialized um but has definitely a a love of blues music and robert johnson the history the legend of him making a deal with the devil and it all all stems from this movie i think for me on this film uh well thank you for sharing your nostalgia i'll say for this film you're three for three so far you have talked midnight madness lady hawk and now crossroads and these are three movies not only have i not seen I'd never even heard of this film. So that I I don't know anything about it until probably about a year ago or maybe it was probably more than a year ago you started talking about this one. Oh, we should we should do Crossroads. We should talk about Crossroads. I'm like, what the fuck is Crossroads, Brian? Right, right. Britney <laughs> like I immediately Britney thought Spears. The Britney Spears. Yeah, exactly. Uh so yeah, I have no nostalgic tie for this film. Um and we'll see if that hurts my thoughts on it. Uh but John, what are your what is your nostalgic tie or any knowledge base to this film? Exactly the same as yours. Never, yeah. never seen it. Never heard of it. 
So, yeah, you are fully and again introducing us to another another property, which and, and, is and, slightly surprising because our father was a huge blues fan, and I would have thought mm-hmm. that this is a movie he would have seen and mentioned. Maybe he never yeah. saw it. Right, yeah. and, and and because of that, I would have expected John to at least be on his radar somewhere with the the music background. But I was kind of surprised mm-hmm. that either one of y'all knew of this movie. No. Yeah. All right. Well, let's get into our scene by scene breakdown. And let's see how this film shakes out. We open with a man at an intersection, or a crossroads, if you will. Uh, <laughs> later, he uh, he records a record. It's Robert Johnson, blues great, um, and he's playing the song uh, Crossroad Blues. I went to the crossroad, fell down on my knee. We meet this young kid, Eugene who's listening to that same music. Great, nice transition there, honestly. I really did like that. And he's uh, interested in the blues. So I will say, John and I, we have both were very familiar, I assume, um, with the Robert Johnson folklore. Mm -hmm. The idea that this is the main idea of this film is Robert Johnson sold his soul to the devil. That's a famous thing that, you know, it, it came out that, oh, man, that boy plays the guitar so good. He must have sold his soul to the devil because, again, our dad was a big blues guy. He got us into blues. And so we, we've known that. And so I can, you know, understand that with this bit. I would imagine a lot of people don't know that kind of stuff and probably why this movie I don't think was much of a hit. It uh, had a box office of five million eight hundred thousand, so that is not a hit anywhere. Yeah, not really, but it's a shame because I mean Robert Johnson is such. I mean, if you're going to talk blues, it may not be in the founder, but he's such a pivotal role of the blues. Like so many yeah. people were influenced by him, and the ledge. I mean, the man didn't know how to play guitar. Not really. He went away for three years and came back and was Robert Johnson. I mean, how do you learn to play that in three years? Honestly, I. I, I'll be honest with you. I've met people who've learned instruments in less time and been and made just as much progress. It's really, if you focus in on it, it's really not that impossible. Right. It's, wow, John, not impressed by Robert Johnson. <laughs> you just totally crapped on his entire no, legacy right there. That's not at all what I said. <laughs> you don't think he's important. You don't think he's anybody special. Wow, <laughs> hot takes from John Spees on the Blast Fast podcast. Fuck you, Adam. <laughs> There you go. He hadn't had a good fuck you at him in a while. Uh, no, right, I mean, so, I, 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 uh, I get that people could have easily learned and played. It just the impression, the the mm-hmm. you know, is like you go from nothing to this mm-hmm. master in three years. Yeah. But that's a long time. I mean, if that's all you're doing is playing, that's, that's a, it is a long time when you start breaking it down. Mm-hmm. So uh, our kid, Eugene, who is very interested in the blues, he wants to go find this guy, Willie Brown, at a hospital. But Willie Brown is not interested in seeing anybody. He keeps shooting him down. But pretty intelligently, Eugene sees a help wanted sign for a maintenance person, for a, uh, a janitor. And he's like, well, fuck it. I'm going to take he took he takes this job. And so he can stick around and keep keep kind of bugging this old man, <laughs> making sure. He talks to him and he calls him out, says that, uh, oh, you know, your blind dog, Fulton, uh, who's a blues player and he was friends with Robert Johnson. I love this line uh, where Eugene is like, when you play harmonica, that's the real Willie Brown's main instrument. It doesn't make sense. Where I come from, you don't blow no harp. You don't get no pussy. 
where I come from, if you don't play no harp, you don't get no pussy. <laughs> Just like, woo! That's a good line. I didn't, I didn't know if it was going to be that or when he's he's talking about Willie Brown. He's like, my brother's Willie Brown. My cousin's Willie Brown. There are 12 Willie Browns yeah. down the street. Yeah. But I like that line. And uh, there, was, yeah, so he's, there was a real Willie Brown who played with uh, Robert Johnson, but he was a guitar player, not a harpist. Right. Okay. Okay, but I imagine they did that just to kind of separate yeah. the legacy of Robert Johnson and Willie Brown. So that way, it's like, well, one sold his soul for the uh, guitar, one sold his soul for the harmonica, yeah. kind of thing. So, but yeah, so he you know keeps keeps denying it and whatnot. Uh, we then cut to Eugene playing guitar at Juilliard, and he is quite talented. He's playing like very classical style stuff, things that are very impressive. Like, you know, I, I mean. I do. I respect people like that, but he—he's kind of—he um, kind of integrates some blue stuff as well into his uh, playing. But I, I very much—I thought I was impressed by, honestly, uh, Ralph Macchio's fingerings and stuff like that. They did a good job coaching him. I don't think he was actually playing though. Yeah, most as of you said, yeah, yeah, he, most of the yeah, sound wasn't him, but his fingering for most of it and stuff was him. They—they they did mm-hmm. a good job with that. And yeah. I feel like his instructor, Jullard, is—I won't say realistic, but is stereotypical of a classical teacher like you're only going to play the classics and nothing else matters which is total bullshit because i went to school for classical music and all the guitarists i knew loved classical music and also loved playing rock and roll um i had uh one of my music history teachers was one of the guitar teachers and this dude played fucking psychedelic rock in the 60s so that's the stereotype i mean even in juilliard most of those guys love playing classical guitar but also love you know anything having to do with the instrument um, and, and that's a stereotype that pisses me off every time i see it that classical musicians are these uppity now that's not to say i've never met a few uh like that the one that was the most surprising was a guy who insisted on only his students only playing classical saxophone what is that which is the dumbest fucking thing i've ever heard <laughs> We call the classical saxophone is only modern because the saxophone is not that old of an instrument. Mm-hmm. So all of the music, and this is I can relate to this because the instruments I played mostly were like marimba, vibraphone, that sort of thing. And most of our music is 20th century because those instruments were not that well used mm-hmm. or known. Uh, so the modern and and most of the classical music that came out of the 20th century was kind of ad- what we'd call advanced tonality or sounds horrible. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, we called it beep snort music because that's what yeah. it sounded like when saxophone <laughs> played. It was beep snort stuff. Yeah, I mean, when I think of classical sax, it's either Careless Whisper or that scene from Lost Boys. Right, <laughs> that's, 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 that is what's happening. Which is not what they mean. But like he didn't, oh, okay. he didn't even like his his students playing jazz, which was un. Which is if you're playing the saxophone, you're gonna play something. You're gonna play jazz of some kind. I will say the instructor sets up a, a, what seems to be a little throwaway line that comes back towards the end of the movie is like where he's talking about you can't serve two masters mm. you either need to play classic or you need to play blues you you can't serve both and it's a it's a little line but it does come back towards the end of the movie it does but you but that is again to what john said when you're learning art same kind of thing when you're learning to cook yeah it's best or anything anything like that it's best to learn about all of the, you know, as much as you can from different cultures and take the best of all of them and integrate them into your own. But yeah, but I guess there are some people exactly who only focus on the classical or only focus on French chefs and, and that's right. it and they don't do anything well, else. That's, that's why I said I didn't want to say it was realistic, but it was stereotypical, you know, yeah. this mm-hmm. this mindset. 
which obviously John yeah. has ran into. Yeah. <laughs> I hate it. So. <laughs> All right. So uh, we find out that the motivation for Eugene is that he's looking for Robert Johnson's lost song. Uh, apparently, he recorded like 29 songs at this um, you know, recording session. And there was supposedly a 30th song. Uh, and Willie Brown might be the only person to know it. But uh, we see Willie, you know, mocks him just in general for not knowing the blues. You know, but the blues is deep seated in the pain and the life of a black man in the poor South. And a rich kid from Long Island isn't going to know it. And so the, Willie lets him know that he doesn't know shit about the blues. The fertile blues ground of Long Island. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So he's practicing at home. And, you know, he works. Yeah, here I also wanted to call out the the fingering. They really did a good job. That scene in particular when he's practicing at home, I was like, wow, he looks damn good. Um, And so he was starting to do some classical work. But, yeah, I guess he's got those two masters because the draw of the blues is too good. And so he (laughs) swaps over and plays some more uh, of the blues guitar licks. All right, at the hospital, Eugene continues to work and brings in a picture of a younger Willie, of a blind dog Fulton. And my, my thought here... Only because I've, you know, seeing later in the movie when he uh, listens to Francis and is like, oh, wow, maybe he's not actually blind dog. Even old people. If you see a younger picture of an old person, you can tell it's the same person. <laughs> so, like, why didn't he see that? And, like, this is your confirmation. I don't I don't know. It's, I think you're taking there because I can look at somebody and not recognize them. Like, you're like, doesn't this person look like this? And, like, I have no idea. Yeah. So it's I don't think it's that, that far fetched. I think there's that storyline I thought was the dumbest part um, because and I will get I know we'll get there, but they set up so many times. They have this guy playing harmonica fucking amazingly. And you're going to tell me now I get it. I get it. Lots of people played harmonica, older black gentlemen, but they showed how good he was. And then they even showed a picture. I'm like, okay, boom, done confirmation, you know, (laughs) yeah, but but (laughs) Willie, Willie Brown confirmed. Yeah, but it's been 50 years, you know. All right. Brian, you, you, you can't tell. You don't see the old people. I mean, but. and how many people are going to recognize a harmonica player 50 years later? I mean, from from like 20 to 70, I feel we need to find pictures. We need to do something. <laughs> now, granted, what I where I am with you is babies. I see a fucking baby, and I can't tell. They all look like potatoes to me. <laughs> None of them look like so people who like a baby pops out, and they're like, oh, it looks just like your dad. I'm like, no, it looks like a fucking baby. <laughs> <laughs> and so I think that is a stupid comment. But so maybe I'm. Maybe I understand, but just on a different context. Anyway, as they're talking, we have we have that picture. Uh, that prompts Willie to have a cutback to the crossroads. It's him, though, instead of Robert Johnson. His friend Robert Johnson said he can make a deal there, um, which is alluding, you know, yeah, to that famous story of selling the soul for the devil. A man drives up, and Willie mentions looking. He's Willie mentions he's looking for a man named Legba. So I did look up Legba. Legba actually originated in Haitian voodoo culture. Uh, Legba uh, stands at the spiritual crossroads and gives or denies permission for people to speak with the spirits of the underworld. So there's kind of ties into there. Um, In blues music, Legba or Papa Legba uh, can sometimes kind of be referred to as the devil. So there's there's kind of all this blending of culture on that. Um, So this guy pulls up. It's uh, the assistant and Willie signs his soul away so this is how we know he got to sell his soul for how how well he play, plays the harmonica eugene brings his guitar to the hospital and plays for willie and here he finally admits that he is blind dog fulton i love it they're talking about 
playing guitar and all this kind of stuff. And he's like, what do you want me to do? Tell you you're as good as Robert Johnson? Look, I'm not Robert Johnson. No, you ain't. You ain't even the beginning of a pimple on the late, great Robert Johnson's ass. You're not even a pimple on the late, great Robert Johnson's ass. I don't, <laughs> <laughs> Willie is chock full of some good ass lines. Um, but again, he mocks him. He mocks Eugene for n- not understanding the blues. Can he play? Yes, but he has no mileage. And so Willie still refuses to share this lost song. And that is something I feel like I've seen for a lot of people and a lot of blues mu- musicians in general is, yeah, you can you can do the notes. You know, you can play the right chords or pickings or whatnot. But there is a feeling in the blues that there may not be in some other music, you know, like in a pop song, you're not going to get the same type of feeling and heart and soul into it that you are in the blues. And that is something that's always had a nice little tie to it. So what Willie does want though, he, uh, you know, he wants to get out of that fucking hospital out of that (laughs) nursing home place. Uh, and so he wants to go home. He wants to take him home to like, Memphis or Mississippi? I think Mississippi. Did you say Memphis was his? well. Mississippi. Yeah, they get the bus ride to Memphis, but yeah, he's going to, to Memphis. Mississippi. And the, yeah, they work their way there. Yep. So, and that's where he will share the song. If he gets him out, then he'll share the song with him. So Eugene sneaks him out after a weird little chase scene, and it pissed me off. I wonder if you guys noticed the same thing I noticed on this chase scene. You want to call it out or no? Uh, you want to just mention it? Apparently, I didn't notice anything. All right. This was stupid. Just let him, just sneak him out. I don't know why they had this little fucking chase scene. So they're running, you know, they get down the elevator, they have this orderly guy running down the stairs. So they get to the bottom and they rush out the door. For some reason on that building, the lock for the door is on the outside of the building. Oh, I didn't notice that, but I would have had a problem with that. So literally you see Ralph Macchio. And here's the funny thing. You see Ralph Macchio open the door rushing out. You see the fucking lock on the inside <laughs> of the exact same shot that they're about to cut to. And then, so they rush, they cut, they had, see him push, and then you cut to locking the door, but it was from the inside where you see the lock, but they literally, they just flipped it. They just did like a horizontal flip on it to make us think like, oh, it's from the other side now. But that's not how locks work. It, they, people don't lock from the outside of the building. And that really, really bothered me. <laughs> it was so clearly on the inside. Wow. So, yeah, I, I can't say I picked up on the lock there. I, you know what? This, this is the kind of shit here that I stick to, and I fucking like. I can't get out of my head because it's so bad. So yeah, that was a problem. So anyway, but I, you know, as the writer to me, it's like just sneak him out, just let him do this little like kind of fucking Mission Impossible thing through the hospital. That would have worked better than having this dumbass chase scene that doesn't go anywhere. The hospital doesn't end up looking for him. Like, literally, the hospital's done with him after this, so why have them even know he's gone? So you gotta have some kind of excitement. <laughs> that was the wrong one to have. 80-year-old running outside of a building. Yeah, that's... Woo! But anyway, that was, that was my little comment there. <laughs> so, all right. So they do take a bus to Memphis, because that's where they can um, jump on. And uh, Willie tells Eugene about his deal with the devil and about his life and things like that, but wanting to get to Mississippi and he doesn't, they don't have enough money. Uh, So what do they have to do? They got a hobo. And so that's uh, something that Willie is, you know, great at. That's what he did. Uh, Eugene mentions at one point uh, after being told that he needs to get better because Willie obviously keeps you know, shoving down his throat that he doesn't need anything. He's like, well, maybe I'll strike up a deal with the devil. Well, maybe I'll just have to do what you did, Willie. I'll go down to the crossroads and I'll strike up a deal with the devil and that'll take care of the whole thing. Don't you ever say that again. And fucking Willie smacks the shit 
out of Eugene, <laughs> which we know is fairly, you know, uh, comes from an ignorant place because Willie is now nearing the end of his life. And I can tell, OK, he's getting back to the crossroads to try and stop this thing or just to try and die or something. But like the fear of having your soul being taken is what uh, he doesn't want to have Eugene have on his conscience. Right. And well, and we see this later, too. I mean, it was a very real thing for Willie. And it's not for Eugene. And and you get that even 80s, 90s day, like, oh, I'll just, you know, sell my soul to, like, it's just a throwaway line. And, like, this is Mm -hmm. reality for him. Absolutely. So after some bickering in general, Willie suggests that he use an electric guitar instead of an acoustic, which Robert Johnson didn't use in a fucking electric guitar. That that really made no sense, really. Yeah. It didn't didn't get it at all because blues is equally acoustic and electric in my head. Yeah, it can be either. I just took it as more of, you know, Eugene wanting to always be in the past. And it was like, yeah, Muddy Waters had electric. Like, you know, it was, you you need to get with times. Also, he's going to have a harder time playing against Steve Vai if he doesn't have electric. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) The acoustic is not going to work as well. So they had to set that up. Um, But yeah, so they get one at a pawn shop. uh, But then they have to shack up at this abandoned house when it rains. Who is already at this house? Ooh, a badass, sexy Jamie Gertz in her underwear and a switchblade. She's got a switchblade, too. So uh, it is Frances. Um, yeah, she uh, wants to leave, and she's, she's about to head out. But Willie and Eugene follow her. Why? Because she's a female with a thumb that will get more rides than they will. So she, they go with her. So at one stop, they are outside this music bar. Um, but the owner is pissed off about it. And so they're trying to collect some money, but he's a racist asshole and he kicks them out. Uh, and so they're kind of, you know, off by themselves. But Francis was about to prostitute herself. Like, this just felt like a leap to me. <laughs> All of a sudden, it's like, oh, okay, she's going to. But I, I get it if you're off on your own. I mean, yeah, she's a runaway. She's doing what she can for yeah. money. And yeah, I didn't think but, it was that big of a leap. I mean, with, she was yeah. either going to prostitute or rob them. And yeah. I think the thing that surprised me was. We saw that them they were going to be together, and then all of a sudden they were just kind of like playing music by themselves, and I didn't see her for a minute. And then the next time I see her is oh she's trying to yeah there there was know, no lead up herself. to it there was it just happened yeah, that was really that's all it was though but yes so she is trying to get some money but um then we get fairly fairly confusing part where you know she was about to to do it but then Eugene goes in there to try and get her out of there and she's like oh, okay no no you knock him out. And then we'll steal his money and head out. But then Willie comes in with a fucking gun. And so this is how they take his money and they take his car. But on the road, they start driving. And we find out that Frances got abused by her stepfather, apparently. And that's why she has run off. Um, And they end up pawning the car because they suspect that people will be looking for the car. And in my head, here's what I thought. They have an expensive Cadillac. Why didn't they pawn it for another car? They could have that that junkyard guy probably had another car that ran. Pawn it for another car and maybe some cash, and not just the cash. I, honestly, he, when that scene happened, I that's what I thought they were doing was pawning it for another car that wouldn't be recognized as the car that was stolen. And then they were walking, and I'm like, "What? Where's the? Where's the? <laughs> what, happened? what happened to the car? I assumed right. you were getting a car. Well, two things. I mean, either that junkyard didn't have. I mean, there's enough stuff around there where cars were just stacked, so he didn't have another car to run. And when you're pawning something, a lot of times, I mean. You're on the, the the low end of what you can get, you know. I mean, well, yeah, because as, as Will even said, you know, there's no 
there's no registration, there's no pink slips, there's nothing because they just have to take what they yeah, can. Yeah, but ride. there were there were a lot of cars that I would have considered on the low end of a Cadillac in that <laughs> junkyard. That's I'm I'm, I'm 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 with Adam on this one. That that made no sense. Well, because yeah, exactly. The, the expectation was like because they had just had the conversation that oh they're going to be looking for this car. Next thing you know, he's trying to pawn it off. So okay, yeah, find another car. That's actually pretty damn smart. Oh wait, no, they're walking again. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> so anyway, they shack up in a barn, um, and as Willie sleeps, Francis and Eugene kind of bicker about stuff she thinks that he's just a con man and not the actual blues artist um but they end up making up and how do they make up by fucking yeah Uh, would you not (laughs) i would i would i totally would so at one point she she said she was 15 i don't know if she was lying she said that to the guy that they were robbing yeah she does she said she was 17 earlier yeah so uh, was she lying to that guy or was she telling the truth and she was actually 15 I think she was actually 17, and she was saying that she's 15 to kind scare of- Scare the guy. Intimidate, yeah, okay. scare Yeah, because there's the line, like, 17 is legal, you know, at the time it was legal in Mississippi, so- Oh, it's still legal in Mississippi. Okay. Uh, 16, 16 is the age of consent. It's weird. I just had a conversation with friends about this the other day. Right, so- Georgia, too. Yeah, so she was legal there, technically, but then she's like, okay, well, I need to go young, so I'm not legal, and you've committed a crime, even a worse crime. I guess. Yeah. And actually, there's a, it's all over. Quite a bit of the places are still 16. And then a few of them are 17 and 18 is the least. Um, but there are that is that. But yeah, so I think she exactly. She was just scaring the guy. So she picked an age okay. that was even younger okay. than that. So uh, then in the morning, the cops find them. And, uh, you know, they're because they don't like people grifting in their county. And so they send them to the next county, but they keep their money. I kind of, this is an interesting scene. What money? And even kind of Willie, <laughs> yeah, no more what money. Uh, but Willie kind of calls it out like, oh, wow, things seem different because all the cops from back in his day, the cops would have been white. Right. All of these cops were black now, but they're still doing the same fucking thing. So there's, there's, it's not the corruption of race. There's, you know, one race is not better than the other, but being a cop means you're going to be an asshole. That's, that's what I found it's, out from it's this It's the moment. corruption of power. Yes, that is, that's fair. All right. At a hotel. Uh, Willie tries to find where these crossroads are, uh, but he's still not quite getting help. Um, at a bar, Eugene is starting to doubt Willie and calls him out on it and thinks he might be a con man. But Eugene and Francis, uh, they kind of split up right here. And literally, it's they set up that there are these two bars in this town. There's the white bar and the black bar. So Francis and Eugene go to the white bar while Willie goes to the black bar. Madness happens at the white bar oh, <laughs> when... Francis tries to steal a guy's wallet, but they end up, you know, they, he was going to go play guitar. He was going to go play guitar, try to get some money that way. Francis was dancing with these old horny guys and trying to steal their wallets. But uh, the barkeep had to take out his shotgun and <laughs> basically say, you know, give him back his fucking wallet. And they had to get, get them out of there and give me your gun, too. So now they lost their gun and all this kind of stuff. So they go into the black bar. And it's obvious from the start that they are not welcome. Then all of a sudden, Willie starts to play harmonica and hypes up Lightning Boy Eugene and Lightning Boy Martone, and they play a song together. Hey, call me Willie. Hey, call me Willie. Blind dog fortune. Smokehouse brown. Call me Willie, the one and only Willie Brown. Did you recognize the bartender at the at the uh, white bar? I didn't. Oh, at the white bar, yeah. the guy with the shotgun. Yeah. No, I didn't recognize. Terry Carey Jr. from like Tombstone oh. and Gremlin, like 
Wait, Harry Carey Jr.? Yeah, not, like, not, like, not the baseball it, guy. It was the, the, okay. the actor Harry Carey and Harry Carey Jr. It's a different spelling. Um, they use him in the searchers and Tombstone. He was a marshal. Okay. Nope, um, never heard of him. Uh, okay. Yeah, I can't say I know the guy. Uh, he was in Gremlins, though. Okay. I mean, he was, he was in Searchers. Yeah, I've yeah. Seen I think you've, you've probably seen him in a lot of like. It, I feel like he's a big character because I've seen the name a lot. Like, I think he's okay. He pops up all over the place. Anyway, sorry to interrupt. Someone, no, no, someone that I did notice and recognize in the Black Bar though was one of the people. She ends up talking to I think Francis in one second, and it, to me, it was unmistakable right away. I noticed it was oh, that's Joe Marie Payton, aka Harriet Winslow. In Family Matters and Perfect Strangers. <laughs> okay, I th- she was in the bar. I thought she looked familiar, but I wasn't sure. Yep, absolutely her. I thought that was awesome. So, yeah, they're, 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 things are playing. Things are going well. They're kind of, you know, making their way. Uh, they, the bartender apparently gave Willie 300 bucks for them playing. Uh, so, cool. To me, this playing, and for sure, the playing in general confirms that Willie is who he says he is to them. But also, that was already confirmed in my opinion, but that's fine. It's double confirmed. Eugene feels good after playing really hype. He feels like he gets it now, and he he understands the blues and all this stuff. But Willie keeps putting him down. And, you know, he has got no mileage. He doesn't know anything about it. Uh, so that night, Willie has a nightmare um, with the assistant again and basically feeling like they're coming to collect on his soul. So he's he's very stressed out about you know, not having a soul. And I thought that was a nice little touch there when, like, the assistant was like, oh, the hellhounds are coming for you. Which, uh, a nod back to Robert Johnson with hellhounds on my trail. Like, oh, there you go. yeah. In the morning, Francis sneaks out to go out on her own. I didn't feel that there was much motivation for this. I feel like it makes sense for her to do this. But at the same time, I wish there was a catalyst. They just had a really good night of playing music. And then all of a sudden, she's like, all right, I'm going to go off on my own. I just, it needed some more motivation to me. Mm-hmm. It did. The the character Francis, I think, is there for one thing and one thing only. That's yeah. the woman who walked out on me to fill the blue. Like, yeah. and that's it. <laughs> like, <laughs> there's not much. I don't know. I just yeah. There's not You're not right. a lot of mileage there with her. No, there there very much that is her single uh, reason for her being in this film. Um, but that is to get Eugene where he needs to be to play the music. Uh, we do see when she leaves, Willie gives her some money and some advice and you know they kind of have a nice little parting thing but when eugene wakes up finds her gone he feels the pain he feels the blues they end up drinking some whiskey and i recognize that whiskey right away because uh, not in a lot of films they do fake whiskey i am a the whiskey guy but they were drinking some george dickel uh which is a tennessee whiskey from tolahoma tennessee i really haven't had a bottle of george dickel that i like i've had some that i'll tolerate but none of them that I really, really like. And so I do have two bottles upstairs, one of a 15-year one and one of their eight-year bourbon, which I need to get, I need to crack that one open. I've heard that's actually quite good. But I saw that and I was like, oh, they're drinking the dickle. <laughs> so it's just good stuff. At this point, Willie admits that there's never been a lost song. So this entire thing that Eugene was pushing for and trying to get out of Willie is BS. He lied because he wanted to get out of that damn nursing home. And so Eugene right now is just beaten to all shit. And what do you do when you're sad? You fucking play the guitar. And so he pulls out the guitar. And actually here you can tell it's got more feeling to it. It's got more blues to it. And real quick, I don't know because you, you keep seeing nursing home. You realize that what it really was was a kind of a jail slash nursing home, right? 
Well, it was a hospital. I mean, I don't know. It's kind of hard to tell yeah, because it, like it shows him where he he murdered somebody in the newspaper, and like it was like this. Oh, I I missed that. Yeah. I, oh, okay. Then I didn't I didn't know that at all. I read boom. Why? Right yeah, over it, it was kind of glossed over, but it was in the beginning. But yeah, that was it was kind of a nursing home, but it was also this jail for elderly. It was a combination of both, I guess. I didn't realize. Okay, I did not realize it was a jail. John, did you pick up on that? No. Okay, I would say you know what. If I had sold my soul to the devil and know that my soul was fucked, I would probably do every despicable thing <laughs> under the planet. Because, like, you know what? One of the fucking consequences, I'm already going to hell. <laughs> so, all right. Interesting. Okay, well, thank you for clarifying that, because that's why he wanted out so bad. I thought he was just a lonely old man who wanted to get out, but it being in jail makes a little bit more sense. So, And also, as to having the chase scene and that be a big yeah. deal. Because why would the nursing home person chase them away? Right, but but uh, it still goes back to, to like, well, okay, so he escapes and yeah, that's the end of it. I mean, whether it's a jail, like, that's just the end of it. Yeah. But it is kind of funny. That does make it weirder that if it was a jail and he escaped a jail, wouldn't they be searching you for would him think. or anything? Yeah, you would think. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right, well, whatever. They uh, they continue on their journey. Willie stops at an old, well, what used to be an old cat house, uh, but now it's a boarding house that's run by... The grandmother of a woman there. I thought for a second, granddaughter. The granddaughter of the yeah the woman. I thought for a second that was going to be Willie's granddaughter or something <laughs> like Willie fucked that lady and they're going to have this whole thing. I'm glad it didn't go that route. But she he asked the young woman about the crossroads, which she knows where it is, so she has someone take them there. So they arrive and he has Eugene play some music while Willie waits. Up drives the assistant again in like a Pontiac Firebird or something. I couldn't tell what the car was, but it was a sweet like '80s car. Mm-hmm. He tells him, oh, Legba, he changed his name to Scratch, which is another kind of, um, in literary terms, Old Scratch is another pseudonym for the devil kind of thing. And here up walks Scratch. We finally meet him. And Willie tells him he wants he wants to make the deal off. You know what? We're no longer doing this deal. But that's not how it works, of course. Instead, Scratch proposes a contest where someone who just recently signed away their soul this guy named Jack Butler to play guitar. And if his friend lightning will win this contest, then the contract gets torn up. But if Jack Butler wins scratch, will get Eugene's soul as well, which Eugene's all for this. Cause he thinks this is all BS, you know, but they end up doing it. So they kind of transport to this new location where Jack is and all these onlookers kind of like this, um, just this other bar kind of place where everybody's watching. And we see Steve Vai lighten up the guitar. Willie, you should have cut this. Willie gives him a bag of mojo. Where the fuck did that come from? Why didn't I see this mojo bag any time else before in the film? Yeah, who knows? Who knows? <laughs> cut that. Cut that fucking thing. Here, here take my mojo. It'll help you. <laughs> the fuck? Uh, right. I mean, I just, uh, it's a good luck charm. I mean. Yeah, but it would have been nice if we saw that good luck charm right. and him like, you know, touching it, looking at it, whatever, being like, woo, thank you, good luck charm. If it had any meaning in the previous, you know, the hour, right, eighty-five minutes, yeah, or whatever, it would have made sense. But whatever. So they begin the contest, and it's a back and forth and a back and forth. You know, Willie is uh, uh, joins in with Eugene at one point, but yeah, while the assistants, the assistants female, is flailing around <laughs> like one of those, you know, used car sales flailer <laughs> things. Like that, she was going nuts. 
But yeah, so they start playing. And at first, I'm like, oh my god, it couldn't be more obvious that this that this Jack Butler is ten times better. <laughs> he like I was it's, it reminded me, my head immediately went to The Devil Went Down to Georgia. <laughs> Great song. By the end of that song, the devil's solo was ten times better than the fucking other guy's solo. His his should have lost his soul, in my opinion. <laughs> and so at this point I'm like, wow, fucking Jack is absolutely better. Until Eugene started playing his classical stuff. And he kind of incorporated that. And then he did like some wild stuff with that. And I was like, okay. All right, that's pretty fucking cool. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and he he played it, and I was actually really, really digging that. Now, the, I, I've heard this uh, maybe, again, it's urban legend or I don't know. The classical piece that he played, the writer of that, was, again, uh-huh. it's, the legend has that that classical writer sold his soul to the devil as well. Oh, that's yeah. cool. If they knew that. That would be particularly awesome if the writers the writers. So knew that, yeah. it, it's uh, it's loosely based on a piece by Paganini, who is largely considered one of the greatest uh, violinists of all time. His his violin concertos are among the hardest to play. They're very and they're very very good. I mean, the dude wrote some amazing violin pieces. If if you know if you if you like violin, listen to some Paganini stuff. So yeah, I could also see how people would think, oh, there's he's too good. There's no way he didn't sell his soul. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So Jack Butler cannot duplicate uh, this awesome bit of guitar playing that uh, Eugene just did. So the devil rips up the the uh, contract, and we also find out that the devil's magic isn't as good as just years of practice. <laughs> just fucking practice, and you'll be better than what the devil can give you. So. Not that hard. Yeah, people people want that that fame and glory now. They don't want to work for it. Yeah. Well, he said so. He said he st- so nine years. That's how long it takes to be better than the devil. Because he said he started playing guitar. No, no, it was eleven years. He started playing guitar at six. Uh, either from a, con- yeah. a conversation with Francis earlier, <laughs> and now he is seventeen. So there you go. Eleven years of practice, and you won't have to sell your soul for the devil. So there we go. We've learned it up. But yeah. So, uh, Scratch tears up the contract, as I said, and they continue to play, and they end up back at the crossroads, and they start to walk back, and Willie talks about, oh, I want to go to Chicago and play with these blues people, and yada, 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 which, if he has a warrant out for his arrest, and he's starting to get more notoriety, he probably will get picked up if he, uh, you know, escaped jail, but whatever, um, and he says, oh, Eugene, I want you to move on from me after that, like, okay, whatever, Credits roll as they walk away, and that is the end of Crossroads. Now, I've also heard an urban legend, and John, you may pick up, may know more about this, but I've heard that where like Steve Vai couldn't play, like couldn't match him at the end of that duel, that he struggled not to be able to play. Like it was hard for him <laughs> not to play that. Not to do it. I don't know if you know if that's real or not, but yeah, like the the mm-hmm. like intentionally messing up mm-hmm. i i, I, I know for that. some guys it is like for some players it is actually hard to play bad when you're trying to intentionally play bad it's it's 
especially if you've been training at something for so long, like your instincts kick in and you just want to play it right. So I can see that, but I don't know for sure. Right. Okay. All right, Brian, we're going to end with your thoughts on Crossroads. John, I would love to start off with you. You are the music man. You've studied music. Uh, let us know, what did you think? This is your first time watching Crossroads. I was uh, I was excited because I do uh, love Robert Johnson and the blues, and it was fun to see where this was. You know what? I didn't hate it. it <laughs> That's a step up from something that Brian gives us. <laughs> I, I was actually going to say, Brian, every pick you've given us has gotten progressively better. Yeah. So um, <laughs> my, my opinion is that there was a lot of things that could have been cut from this film. I felt like it was a little long. Um, because there's a lot of there was a lot of dead space in the middle that could have be that could have been taken out. The thing with the end with the devil, I don't know because you know it it's sort of like all of a sudden supernatural. I know we kind of briefly touch on it before, yeah. but um, I that part I was I was kind of fine with. Overall, it was fine. That's as bad as that's as good as I got. It really okay. like the my only my only real complaint was. I was watching, like, the first half of the movie, I was like, huh, so this is what Daniel LaRusso did after high school, because he literally <laughs> acted exactly like Daniel LaRusso. Uh-huh. Like, I, I don't know if just Ralph Macchio had no range at that time, or what, because it was literally like the same character, just with guitars instead of karate, almost, <laughs> except he was already good when it started. Um, mm-hmm. It was it was fine. Um, I, I was watching it by myself, so I didn't, no one else saw it. <sighs> I might watch it again with someone. I don't know that I'd seek it out by myself. Uh, So for me, first time watching, just like John, uh, what it had on its side was that I'm a blues fan. Mm -hmm. I respect and appreciate and listen to the blues. Actively, I will listen to the blues. So the heart of this film spoke to me. I was already very familiar with Robert Johnson and all that folklore, so it wasn't like a stretch for me to understand what the hell's going on. Like I could jump into the story and knew what the fuck was happening, which actually I do doubt the majority of people out there know like they'd be like what i don't know this stuff what is this doesn't make sense to me um and so you know they may not jump into kind of the supernatural like i just because i know the story there were some weak moments there were some slow parts but dare say i actually liked it (laughs) you know (laughs) i actually liked it and so damn it brian for me (laughs) you broke your streak and you actually play, picked a pretty fucking decent one. And John's right, though. Midnight Madness was by far the worst. Lady Hawk was a little bit better. Um, and then, to me, this is actually a good bit better than that. So you have picked yourself a winner this so, time. So, so how I'm, I'm, I'm climbing up. You are. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, for you, someone, you know, you picked this. You're nostalgic for this. Rewatching it, what were your thoughts? I enjoy this movie. I mean, I, I get that there are times that it's slow. I think it does help that I've watched it growing up with it go back to it every couple years my wife just watched it the first time maybe two years ago a uh, year ago and she actually enjoyed it she 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 liked it shout out to kelly we love kelly yeah and there is a good documentary i think it's still on netflix about robert johnson about his life and and what and especially like from um keith richards like looking back on a lot of modern musicians like looking back on the blues and and the influence and stuff um but no i i I've always enjoyed it. I enjoyed it early on when I saw it as a kid up through now. So I think that does help um, versus going to it first time now. Maybe I'm 
surprised or not surprised. I almost thought Charles' opinions would reverse that John may have liked it more than you, Adam. But uh, I, I'll, I'll I'll take that though. You know, normally it's a uh, yeah. Trying to always pick bad movies that you don't like. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm sure the next one will be <laughs> atrocious. Don't worry. <laughs> All right, now let's talk 21 Jump Street. This show aired from 1987 to 1991, five seasons, 103 episodes on Fox. It was created by Stephen Cannell and Patrick Hasberg. Uh, Patrick Hasberg created Beretta, Rockford Files, Greatest American Hero, The A-Team, Silk Stockings, and a lot of other kind of police reaction kind of shows like that. Stephen Cannell was a writer on Greatest American Hero, a writer on A-Team, kind of worked with Hasberg on a couple different things. Uh, so the cast for this one, Officer Tom Hansen. Famously, a lot of people in trivia know that Johnny Depp got his start with 21 Jump Street. We know him, obviously, from Edward Scissorhands, Pirates of the Caribbean, and being married to Amber Heard, uh, unfortunately, which I'm so curious. The Aquaman movie, are they going to, like, keep her in it? Are they going to deep fake her or reshoot that shit? Because I, I, a lot of people hate her. And who knows, with what they did with Catwoman, or is it, is it Catwoman that they just showed? No, Batgirl that they just showed. Oh, Batgirl, Batgirl, but, like, they you just showed. Yep. They're going to do with the Flash, with Aquaman. Like, are they just going? Yeah. Like, there hasn't been talk of that, but are they just not even just, who knows? Well, the thing is, they need to just quit the DCEU. They just need to get rid of it. Like, no one cares about it anymore. Mm-hmm. Start fresh, just bring in a new etc batman new superman all that kind of stuff. i have a lot of thoughts on this and i don't want to get into it because i will talk about it for a while <laughs> okay all right well all. damn whole, whole show so in of itself go listen yeah. to the other podcast <laughs> uh, all right instead let's talk more of the cast uh officer dennis booker is played by richard grieco um another thing that he was kind of famous for he only ended up being in the first season no. he was a real 80s heartthrob. no grieco was in seasons three and four Whatever. <laughs> I thought he. I thought he was in. I thought he was in the early nope. stuff. He came in season okay. three. He left season four to go do a spinoff of Booker. Yes, that's. A, he did have that. He did have that. Uh, that's all yeah, right. The spinoff Booker. The sp- the spinoff show Booker. Okay, my bad. Uh, but yes, it ran only one season. The Booker yeah. show did. So, uh, officer. I thought. Yeah. For some reason, I thought this show was Johnny Depp and Grieco. Nope. Like it was their show forever. Nope. Uh, for like a long time. But yeah, so this is really a Johnny Depp show mostly yep. until he left and some other people. So Grieco was just partly there. So uh, Officer Judy Hoffs was Holly Robinson Pete. Um, I remember her from Hanging with Mr. Cooper more than anything else. And uh, she was in a show called For Your Love and been in a plenty of stuff. Captain Adam Fuller is played by Stephen Williams. John, you would recognize him as one of the main two cops in the movie Blues Brothers. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he was also in L.A. Heat and uh, lots of small parts. And he was also in X-Files. Okay, also in X-Files. Uh, I never really watched X-Files, I'm not going to lie. Mm. It was one show that I just didn't know much I of. I didn't really either. Um, Officer De- Doug Pennell was played by Peter... DeLuise. DeLuise. Del- I don't know why I had... Pro- <laughs> I was about to say DeLuise. De- yeah, DeLuise, who is the son of Dom DeLuise. And John, you and I talked about him when we talked Sequest 2032. He played that Dagwood, the really dumb yeah. guy. He, he is best, to me, he's best known as being actually a big-name writer and director on the Stargate SG-1 series. He did a, he did some acting, but mostly he was a behind-the-scenes guy. Peter or Dom? Uh, mm-hmm. Peter. Okay, yeah. Officer Harry Truman Aoki is played by Dustin Wynn. 
Uh, he was in Three Ninjas Kickback, uh, a show called VIP, and some other small parts. And noticeable guest stars on this show included Dom DeLuise, uh, Peter's father. I think actually his other brother uh, showed up on yeah. this show as yeah. well. Uh, Josh Brolin, Bridget Fonda, Jada Pinkett Smith, Brad Pitt, Vince Vaughn, Shannon Doherty, John Waters, Rosie Perez, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Christina Applegate, Polly Shore all had like a small bit part here or there uh, on this show. So why are we talking 21 Jump Street? Well, I mean, we're talking, it's very nostalgic for you, Brian. Why did you choose 21 Jump Street? I remember when this show came out, it came out on Sunday nights and I couldn't, it was a time when I was, I was going to church all the time, so I couldn't always watch it, but I did watch it when I could. And then it's just stuck with me for the years. I've owned it on VHS. I own all the seasons on DVD. I just went back and watched them all on streaming again. Okay. Yeah, it's just, it's always stuck with the second and third seasons, I think, are by the second season especially is by far the best. Third season, there's some good episodes, and then it quickly goes downhill from there. Okay. I mean, the fifth <laughs> season, you know, there is no Johnny Depp. He wanted out of it. My favorite characters probably of all time are the McQuaid brothers, which are, I think four episodes of Johnny Depp and Peter DeLuise as these ruffians you know i mean it's it's all about yeah it's these adults who are cops who look young and they infiltrate high schools or colleges or things like that mm-hmm. but the mcquades were awesome they always yeah so i mean as you mentioned yeah the series focuses on the squad of youthful looking undercover police officers investigating crimes in high schools colleges and other kind of teenage venues um they're headquartered at 21 jump street uh, which apparently they were originally going to call 21 jump chapel which is stupid. Well, because it's a yeah, it's a stupid name. I mean, it was a chapel that they were headquartered in, but yeah, it was. Yeah, uh, but that sounds much better. Twenty One Jump Street, and their assignments usually consisted of undercover work. They investigated drug trafficking or abuse or stuff like that. So, John, what was your knowledge of Twenty One Jump Street before checking out for this? I had seen some episodes from when I was a kid. I remember seeing it. I also remember not liking it. When I was a kid. Oh, wow. I was... So you came in already with your mind kind of set. Well, I I came in with my mind... I came in remembering how I felt watching the series. I remember watching maybe two or three episodes or parts of them and not liking them because it was not a show that I regularly looked for or went on. Mm. Um, If it was on, I would usually skip right past it. And I've actually never... had, Had never seen this show... I was just too young when this came out, and so I, this is not a show that appealed to me, and I don't remember it being on in syndication all that often. I'm sure it was, but just not on the stations that I was watching or yeah. anything like that. So it's not one I – I mean, I knew about it, of course. It was a huge show, so I knew about 21 Jump Street. I had just never seen it before this, so I came in very fresh from this episode. So, yeah, each episode was an hour, and they're all, I mean, it's a cop procedural with shit to do, and you know, there's not, like, big storylines mostly that go through um, episode by episode. Everything usually gets wrapped up by the end of each episode, typically. Also, apparently, some of the episodes were followed up by a public service announcement. If I'm sure if they dealt with drugs in particular right. or other important stuff, they had to, you know, you gotta talk to the audience. Um, I, I always think of the Saved by the Bell episode <laughs> when they do that, but, I mean, so many shows. Right. Every G.I. Joe show or He-Man or stuff like that. So the show itself, it wasn't set in, it was set in a fictional city called Metropolis City in Evergreen State. So it was not officially set in the U.S., which just felt weird. Mm -hmm. Because I do remember, I remember seeing Johnny Depp open up and said Metropolis. And uh, I very much have that connection with Superman. Um, So, But just, why wasn't this New York? That was stupid. Yeah, it, it felt like New York. And some episodes and other episodes that felt like L.A. or somewhere out west, like 
some of yeah. the gangs, things like that. I could see LA would yeah. work. Yeah, it needs to be set in a real city. I think that would help ground it a little bit more. But yeah, so apparently this show, along with Married with Children and the Tracy Ullman show, uh, debuted in the spring of 87, and all three of them were uh, hits, and they really kind of helped launch the Fox network. Um, so this was, this was one of the big ones for Fox back in the day. Uh, something that I, I know I have to talk about is the theme song. Uh, Holly Robinson Pete performed that theme song, and I'm not gonna lie, I thought it was pretty fucking good. Yeah. It's not most amazing theme song ever, but actually, I quite like. And if and there's a difference between the season one and then the re- season two through five of the theme song. Okay, see, I only listened to season. I only watched episode one. Yeah, so I think the first season theme song's not as good. It's it's not as recognized because oh. like the little riffs in there, like something about like meeting after school, like that all that goes away uh-huh. and it's, it's, it's more electronic. Like I think the second season is the theme song's better. It just gets rid of some of those stupid, in my mind, it's the stupid riffs. Uh, I'll go one further. I hated it. <laughs> I did really? not like it at all. Wow. No, I thought it was dumb. Uh, it was I it, like trying to be meta observant and I, I didn't like it at all. Like by the time it was done, I'm like, that was the dumbest thing I've heard all day. <laughs> that was, and that was right after I watched Crossroads. <laughs> uh, okay, I'm not gonna lie, I dug it, but uh, I watched one episode because I could only get through one episode. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie, <laughs> man, this show had some classic '80s pitfalls. It felt so dated to me. Yeah. Um, but you know, how did how did because John, what about you? Did you feel this one? fit into what you remembered and not really cared for it? I made it through the first episode and about 10 minutes of another random episode I can't remember, and I was like, I can't watch any more of this. Yeah, I watched that first episode as well. It was just as bad as I remembered, <laughs> which I don't know if I remembered much, but man, like, oh, I, it was so cringeworthy. That first episode is so cringy. It is like the acting was rough yeah. on some of this. So I remember these bad guys break into this person, like this family's house, and they just they it was way overly acted. Everything came across cheesy. It just yeah, it didn't do it for me. But Brian, did you rewatch any of the show? Oh, I I, I, I just re- rewatched the whole series, the um, whole thing. So it, you're you're yeah, fresh, yeah. So and you definitely and you, you yeah. You know, you said it, season two is the best, yeah. Yeah, I think season two is the, the first season. You you don't have Steve Williams. You have Jinko as their commander or what lieutenant or whatever and he towards the end of the first season he gets killed in a um they write him off the show of a, a drunk driver and they bring in steve williams who changes 21 jump street so instead of like it's just them it's a whole department it's it's all these people that are coming in and out yeah i think the second season is by far the best season of the five i like the show so i mean i, I don't think the second season is going to hold any weight for john um who <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> just doesn't like it if i was going to recommend it to someone, yeah. I think it's in the second season is an episode um, 
a little disease with a big name. And so this was what, 88, 89, when they, mm-hmm. they tackled an AIDS episode of like this kid who has AIDS, who's I mean, nobody knows. And like, you know, well, they, they set up the show as these, this hemophiliac who has transfusion, but he can't be in school or all these people mm-hmm. protesting because he's in school. They don't want him. So he's always by himself and he's going to die. And you find out that yeah, he, he's never had a transfusion in his life and he's never done drugs. He's he got AIDS the only other way you can get AIDS. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, it was just, there was a, a, a a key scene there, like where he offered Johnny Depp his milk and he didn't drink it. He's like, Oh, I, I want chocolate or something. And like the end of the episode is like, you know, the kid's mom, he, he dies and the kid's mom's like, it's all right about the milk, you know? So I don't know. They, they tackle some things I thought were poignant at the time that a lot of shows either weren't or were kind of afraid to touch. I can absolutely respect that. Um, unfortunately I did not watch those episodes and I'm not going to get to them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I can see the appeal for the time. Yeah, you know, it, absolutely. I can see the appeal for the time. Yeah, it's 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 definitely a show that if you try to watch it now, it it's going to be extremely dated. If you didn't watch it when it came out, it's hard to go back to. I mean, there's a reason why they they took the take of the the two movies and made them more comical than mm-hmm. what the show was. Yeah, I mean, yeah. So they, we, there were those two films that were pretty damn popular. Um, I did watch the first one. I haven't seen the sequel, uh, but yeah. So I mean, this show. It's a slice of the times in the late 80s, but um, unless, yeah, you're like Brian and you had the nostalgia factor, I would say stay away from it. So unfortunately, Brian, you've yet to have two properties on the same episode that is good. So far before this, Wings, you had, well, you had Wings, which was one good show, so and had, then everything else was bad. <laughs> this, you've had a good movie in the shit show. Well, you know, I have to make you all suffer some way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, mission accomplished. This episode of the Blast From Our Past podcast is not brought to you by... This holiday, crank it up with Britney. Let's go, girls. Get Crossroads on DVD and VHS. Get the party started with the year's hottest gift. I'm not sleeping here. Crossroads. Buy it on DVD and VHS. Rated PG-13. All right, well, now let's get to the casting portion. We are going to recast... Crossroads, which is I, it's a movie. Maybe I could see them doing. I guitar like guitar and blues are things that are just not popular right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this movie maybe would have done better in the '90s than the '80s because '86. We're talking about like the big surge of like synth pop music, new wave. That sort of throwback to the old was just not popular at that time. There is a renaissance in the late '90s of going back to. Anytime music, and this is true for a lot of trends, anytime music goes hard one way, it's going to flip around and there's going to be a response that's immediately in the opposite direction. I saw this in between the 90s and 2000s. 90s got to the point where it was, uh, it was, we got guitar rock and then like pop got really popular with like synth stuff. And then there was immediately a backlash of more guitar and sort of natural acoustic sounding stuff. So the, there's always a back and forth. So I could see this. I think it just it suffered from coming out at a time when it blues or that sort of like folk type music was not popular. Um, so we are going to uh, recast the characters of Eugene, Willie, Francis, Scratch, Jack Butler, and Scratch's assistant, who never had a name. He was just called Scratch's assistant, um, even in the credits. Mm-hmm. Um, which uh, going back, I was definitely right. He was definitely in the movie way more than Scratch was. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, went, I went back and watched it Friday night, and 
I thought it was Scratch that was in, but yeah, it was his assistant that was three appearances or so. Yeah. 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 So we will start with that, and I'll go ahead and start us off. Uh, I just kind of picked a guy who I'd seen around as kind of a character actor. Um, I, Wait, are we start, we're starting with Scratch? Sorry. No, we're going to start with Scratch's assistant. Oh, Scratch's assistant. Scratch's okay. assistant. I picked a guy who I'd seen just in a few things. Um, he actually does have an Emmy uh, for his role on This Is Us. I believe that's what his Emmy is for. But uh, I like the way he looks, and he looks like he could be like a cool like devil's assistant. And his name is Ron Cephas Jones. He was also in Luke Cage. Oh. Yeah, I think I've definitely seen this guy around, okay. probably from Luke Cage. I definitely think he's got the cool look for a devil's assistant, actually. <laughs> that works really well. I didn't want to okay. go with like too much of a big-name guy for this. I mean, when I yeah. saw the movie, I'm like, oh, that's Joe Morton. Like, I immediately noticed it, but I yeah. that's from having known Joe Morton's older work and then going back and seeing an earlier thing. So, obviously, Joe yeah. Morton wasn't that, that big at the time. So, I wanted a guy who... I, I had a good look, and I knew was a good enough actor to do this. All right, Adam? Yeah, I like your call. I did go with a bigger name. This guy is a fantastic actor. Uh, you see him, and he's been put into lead roles like in Tenant and Black Klansman, uh, and he is the son of a, an amazing actor by Denzel Washington. I went with his son, John David Washington. I think he would be a – he's just a versatile, really strong actor, so that's why I put, went with him. I, I – He's a good actor, yep. so I'm. I got no complaints there. Just looking like I, I know the name. Okay. <laughs> um, I went with a, out of the three movies that I recast. I'm more excited about this one than the others. Just mm-hmm. I went with big names here, but for the assistant, I loved him in American Gods, and he's got the the face, and honestly, he's got the teeth and the laugh for it. I went with Orlando Jones. Okay. okay. I mean, I, I know Orlando Jones for comedy stuff is really what I think of when I think of Orlando Jones. I do too, but I'm I'm not going to put it past him to yeah to do something like this. And I, you, he does have a, a a interesting face that I think if it you, you could make look more devilish. Yeah, because uh-huh. if you go watch him as Mr. Nancy in American Gods, like I think he pulls that role off so well. So I haven't seen um, American Gods, but uh, yeah. Um. Yeah, that uh, I, I'm actually looking at a picture from that, and actually that that whole get up everything. This looks very, this this is a good parallel to Joe Morton's character. So I, I I totally get that. I like that. Yeah. So which I I just discovered that Mr. Nancy is kind of an incarnation. It's a tie to Anansi. Yeah. Uh, the the uh, trickster god of uh, uh of African. Yep. So, so very cool. Cool. Uh, all right. Honestly, the one I was most excited to cast was the next one, which we're going to be is uh, Jack Butler. <laughs> yeah, because Jack Butler doesn't need to be an actor. In fact, Jack Butler shouldn't be an actor. Right. He should be a guitarist. Yep. Mm-hmm. I'm interested to hear. Adam, let's start with you. So I went through a couple different people in my head. Buckethead was the first person I thought. If you guys have seen any of Buckethead's, the guy wails. The guy is very interesting on guitar. Um, I thought about Gary Clark Jr., who is actually uh, phenomenal blue kind of he does a lot of more modern blue stuff mm-hmm. but i'm like well he can't it can't be a blues person because uh eugene has to win by having the blues be part of his music i ended up going and this is the only time i actually uh, switched things up i went with a female mm. this woman fucking shreds the guitar so i'm going to highly recommend anyone go out there check out like her youtube nita strauss is who i went with 
she fucking wails on the guitar. Oh, I have seen her before. Didn't she tour with, uh, yeah, Alice Cooper. She was Alice Cooper's uh, guitarist for a long time. I think she, at least for the last like eight okay. or nine years or so, she's been his guitarist. Um, yeah, she absolutely shreds. Okay. I'm cool with that. I, uh, Brian? Okay, this one, I think I went through a number of, of guitarists for this, and it depends on when the movie came out. Years ago, I would like to have seen Slash in that role. You know, even go to Zach Wilde in that role. Ultimately, I went with somebody who does play the blues and is known for his guitar playing altogether. I went with Kenny Wayne Shepherd. Oh, okay. Phenomenal guitarist. Yep. Great guitarist. Um, uh, I don't know that I would know him for shredding so much. No, he's a good not, guitar not. player, but right. I don't. I don't hate that pick at all. I think mm-hmm. it's a good pick. I'm. I'm fine with that. I guess he's. Yeah, he's a good. I'm guitarist. fine with that for sure. I also went with a blues player because, Adam, I disagree. I think the guitarists need to match up until Eugene switches to classical, and that's where the difference happens. So I did go with a blues guitarist and one who is absolutely known for his insane guitar playing since he was a guitar prodigy since he was a little kid. I went with Joe Bonamassa. Okay. Yeah, Joe Bonamassa is a... Fantastic guitar. He's a, he's a little bit older. I think he's only a couple of years older than me. So he's in his early 40s right now. So I didn't necessarily need to have that sort of like young guy shredder look. I thought about mm-hmm. going with a, a like another kind of project. Like there's a guy called Kingfish, um, who's this really good guitar player who's really young. Um, I think he's like 19 or 20 right now. Really good, like uh, BB King vibe to him. I like him. But mm-hmm. I really wanted, I really wanted a, a, a veteran. Almost instant recognizable guitar player with this one, so that's why I went with Bonamassa. So you guys are you guys are both kind of changing it up a little bit because very much Steve Vai was I mean he was the metalhead shredder yeah. on this one, right? Um, but but yeah, I I didn't find that to be necessary. In fact, I thought it took me out of the movie a little bit because he because it's I know it's 1986. That's the yeah. that's the that was what was popular, you know, with with mm-hmm. folks at the time was that sort of '80s like metal hair metal guitar yeah. almost. To me, that took me out of the movie. I I okay. I want I liked being engrossed in the blues, and everyone else in that location looked like they were here to hear some blues, <laughs> not some yeah. punk metal shredder. Sure. So sure. But I, I like the I like the connection of blues and metal because people say that's the devil's music as well so i mean i don't know that's don't know. fair but i i to me it took me out okay uh all right scratch uh let's start with brian for scratch okay this one i was excited to cast and i went young or younger and he <laughs> says he's no longer acting he's only directing now but i would bring him back for this and it's it's honestly five minutes of his time <laughs> i think he would make a great devil I went with Jordan Pill. Okay, I can see that. It'd be um, fun. Yeah. It'd be fun to see him yeah. in that. Yeah, yeah, I'd like to see him cameo as as a uh, as a devil. Yeah, I'm cool. Very cool with that. Yeah, I don't I don't hate that. I went with an actor. I decided to go with an actor who is not from the U.S. and I would not change his accent because I've never heard him talk without an accent. He is from West Africa, but he spent some time in France. I would use that connection to give him more of a Creole sound to him so we're still talking the south we're just talking more creole 
But to me, I would basically just use the same look he used in the movie Constantine. I went with uh, Jimon Hansu. Oh, yeah. Jimon Hansu. I mean, he's in so many things. He, you kind of forget how many different movies he's been in. I like that. I totally can see him do this. Yeah. Just so. a little, I'll pop in, the right attitude. I think it would work. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Who I wanted, I couldn't pick. If I could do this, I could go, I'd go back time. I would turn back time. <laughs> Uh, to at least 2021 before this actor passed away. He's not going to be my official pick, obviously, but I want to throw out who I wanted was Michael Kenneth Williams. Uh, so Michael Kenneth, William, Michael Kenneth Williams, I know him from The Wire. Mm. Uh, phenomenal actor. He played um, Omar. He, he's been in uh, Boardwalk Empire. He's been in, he was in a lot of different stuff. Uh, he was in Lovecraft, Lovecraft Country as well. Mm. Just tons of stuff. He's a great actor. He's also got this awesome, interesting scar all the way across his face. And I thought that just would be so fitting for a devil named Scratch. Yeah. You know? But I can't because he passed away and he was just awesome. Absolutely miss him as an actor. I went with a big name. I went with a guy who can act, who's got the range. I don't expect y'all to shit on it. I went with Terrence Howard as my Scratch. Yeah. I'm fine with that okay. too. Yeah. Okay. Not much to talk about there. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Fair. Uh, all right, uh, Francis. Francis, I'll go ahead and say my man. She just she's in there just for a little bit to fucking run. <laughs> like that is her entire thing. So, who do you want to see fucking run? John? Uh, well, shit, Adam. <laughs> That's that not at all how I wanted you to put it. Oh, um, especially because I'm pretty. No, 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 no. Okay, I was uh, for a second. I was worried that my uh, actress was under the age of eighteen, but she's not. She's twenty, so we're good. Okay. Okay. But uh, she had a she just had a big a big season uh, come out of Stranger Things. I went with Sadie Sink. Oh, okay. plays Max. Yeah. Yep. She was definitely uh, one of the, the the main focus or one of the main focuses on uh, this this one. And I like her as an actress, and I really liked this season of Stranger Things, and I'd like to see more of her. So I'm cool. Very cool with that. Cool. All right, Adam. So, um, I also went with a uh, an actress who's right around that age. Oh, she's a little bit older. I think mine is twenty two, but you, you, I, I stuck to kind of like the early college, late high school kind of age mm-hmm. for this. Um, this actress has been in plenty of stuff. We've seen her long back in the day when she was. Uh, I think I've used her before for a casting, uh, but she was uh, Don Draper's little daughter. Uh, but she has done plenty of stuff, including. Uh, the Chilling Adventures of Sabrina with Kiernan Shipka as my Francis. She's just a strong, strong actress and, you know, happy to see her in more stuff. Okay. okay. I am not familiar with any of her stuff. Okay. But she's got a good look, so I'll give you that one. Yeah. All right. Uh, Brian. Okay. For this one, um, I also went with Stranger Things, but I'm going to rewrite the movie a little bit. I went with a guy. And he's a little okay. bit older, but I can okay. I can young him up enough as he was in Stranger Things. I went with Jamie Campbell Bauer, who played one, who played Vecna. Oh, okay. Um, Interesting. Yeah, I can see him doing many things in that role. Okay. okay. He seems a little old to me. I also considered flipping the script on that as well. Um, so I see where you're going with this, and I, I consider that. My only thing is, is, is that guy seems like he's a little too old. He's a, he is a little bit older. I think he's in his thirties, but I can I can. But he plays. I think he could. Yeah. I, okay. Like with one, I think you can 
make him younger okay. pretty well. Like at least twenties, early twenties, and you know, maybe instead, you know, the undergrad mm-hmm. or high school Juilliard. I mean, you go into to college at Juilliard as well. They're they're post grad stuff. So, mm-hmm. okay. Oh, I like him as Vecna. Okay. Willie. Adam. Moving along. Let's start with you. I thought I had two people in mind, but ultimately I, I think this guy is the right call for me. I'm curious if you guys picked, one of you guys picked my other call. I think it's very possible. But this actor is versatile. You've seen him in tons of different stuff. And I've seen him as kind of like an old grump before as well. And it just, it's very fitting. He's got, he's got tons of range, man. You see him in so much stuff. I went with Samuel L. Jackson as my Willie Brown. I think it just, you know what? I I considered it and actually Mm -hmm. it considered it because my mind immediately went to uh, black snake moan. Yeah, exactly. That's actually where my head went as well. The character in that movie. And I'm like, well, that I could totally see that in here as well. Um, I didn't go with him, but I, I uh, approve of that pick. Cool. For Willie, I originally went with Morgan Freeman. Um, but that's not who I chose. Upon reflection, I went with Andre DeShields. Famous for Town, but he's an actor as well. I have not seen this guy. I'll trust you. I, I He looks old. <laughs> not like terribly old. Yeah, I just don't I don't know his stuff, but I'm cool with this. Famous for Town, but was in Tick, Tick, Boom, a couple other things. Like he, he's... Tick, Tick, Boom. Go, if you watch... A P.O.D. song? <laughs> uh, sorry, that's, that's Click, Click, yeah. Boom, not Tick, Tick, Boom. If you watch his thing, like when New York... Bar, it was some morning show where they did... Um, they looked at Hades Town and he's seeing it. Like I think he could, I think he could pull it off really well. That's where I was. Uh, I immediately saw him and I'm like, oh, he's a big Broadway guy, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I recognize him. No, that's. I think that's okay. a good pick. Okay. Cool. I don't. I'll trust him. I don't know his work too well, but uh, from what I've seen of just like clips and stuff, I'm fine with that. Uh, I went with an actor who is not as well known uh, unless you follow a certain fandom, but he is a great dramatic actor known for uh, a lot of roles mostly you guys might know him from being in the movie american history x um he okay. was the principal in that movie and he was also uh captain cisco in deep space nine his name is avery brooks i thought about going with a musician for this role in fact for a while i actually had keb mo as my oh. as my pick in the end i decided i needed to go with an actor not a musician mm-hmm. so i switched it back over to avery brooks okay i i i recognize him from deep space nine that was not really a show i watched much but i do recognize him from that and and i've seen american history x so yeah yeah he's he's, he's right around the same the right age range mm-hmm. from what i've seen um he hasn't acted since 2006 yeah i but i think he's been come back for you John. yeah i think i think he's been doing theater but i'm not entirely oh, okay. sure but okay. I, I, he'll come back for me. <laughs> the first name I wrote down was actually, oh, Joe Morton. Love him as an right. actor. I thought about that too. Yeah, I was curious if one of y'all were going to go that route. So, okay. I had that same thought, but ultimately I decided not to do it. Uh, okay. Are we on to Eugene? Yeah, yep. Lightning Boy. All right. Well, I'm going to start this one. I'm not going to lie. I had a hard time picking this one. And ultimately, I'm okay with my pick, but I don't know that I'm 100% on it. He, I just, I, I wanted to go, initially I was like, oh, well, let me see if I can find a prodigy. Maybe we can just teach him how to act. I, I, I couldn't find one that I was really like into is doing this. So I decided to go with an actor who we will just teach how to fake. 
and I didn't want to pick someone I had picked a bunch of times before. So I went with this guy. He's in his early 20s. He still looks like he's in high school. And uh, he's best known for having his dad yell his name on TV. Carl! <laughs> I went with Chandler Riggs. Carl! Carl! <laughs> I would like it if I didn't want to shoot him in the face when I watched <laughs> Walking Dead. I couldn't stand him as an actor on that show. So I, the, the, I, I hope he's gotten better. <laughs> As an actor, because when he was on that show, I thought he was fucking terrible. But, you know, he was a kid. Right. <laughs> That's kind of mean of you to say, but... So, yeah. All right. Well, then, Adam, who did you pick? I originally thought about, well, we had uh, Ralph Macchio from the Karate Kid franchise. Maybe I should go with one of the kids from Cobra Kai. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I thought that would be funny. But ultimately, none of them... I had a hard time with this role, and I was jumping around. I'm like, none of them really spoke to me, and I thought would fit this kind of role. And so who did I go with the same guy I go to with all these fucking roles? I went to Tom Holland. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I thought he, I just, I, he's a good actor. He's in the age range and he's got the look that I think would fit. Okay. Yeah. I don't hate that. Cause I, I know he would probably do pretty good in that yeah. film. And I wanted, I wanted a name. And also you have to have rapport with Samuel L. Jackson. Mm-hmm. And for me, they already have that. Yeah. They've done that before in some movies, so I'm cool with this. I actually had two names before this. Sorry, I should have mentioned this before. Um, I had I actually initially decided to switch it, and I had two names um, that I was going to... I One, I actually thought about going with Zendaya, and then I for a while I actually had Haley Steinfeld because she is actually a musician, and then yeah. I decided not to, and I flipped that around. And then yeah. actually I had yeah. Haley Steinfeld as Francis, and then I switched that to Sadie Sink. Okay. I mean, the only issue with Zendaya is you couldn't play up the the race relation differences right. as much obviously right. with that one uh all right brian you're the last one yeah well it's kind of funny that, that you all mentioned her and tom holland i think you can play up the race because uh the the her mixed background of of white parent and black parent, you know I, but yeah okay. for eugene i went with zendaya interesting okay yeah i think I, you well, the, i think you can play up oh it's just you know the line that oh it's just another white boy you know one is still blue like okay she yeah and I, th- I think that tie in. With I think her you can blood. also. I think you can also play up just maybe her like like the, her character being born in the city and yeah. D- yeah, the background socioeconomic. Yes, exactly. Yeah. The financial differences yeah. of oh, you've never struggled for anything. You don't understand. You know, you don't even understand the history of your people or something. I don't know. Right. Or just in general, she just doesn't understand the blues. And I, you know what? Fair. You know what? That is, that is ignorant of me to, to say, but. Yeah, she. They could make that work. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, <laughs> so it's funny that that John mentioned her. You went with Tom Holland. That yeah. But that's that's who I went with. And I okay. I think she's both Tom Holland and her would be a big enough name to bring yeah. in people to watch this and to maybe get this project actually done. I'm I'm fine with either of those. Better than Coral. Pro- honestly, yeah. <laughs> honestly, yes. Honestly, yes. Uh, all right, Brian. Thank you so much. Uh, for for joining us again getting it's improving it's getting better i actually was <laughs> yeah i actually was excited to recast this one after i saw the movie yes. so yeah, i was too. fine with that and, and and i did like the movie i just wasn't wowed by the movie um right i but, mean part of the problem is i mean you've done so many shows and so much of even my nostalgia of trying to figure out what can be done what can't be done Right. That's part of it. And then part of it is, yeah, trying to come up with stuff that either, I'm not going to say obscure, but either that you may not know right. as much mm-hmm. or something. Which, so. honestly, I'm fine with. Because, I, I mean, there are there are always things that we watch and we're like, oh, I'm excited to rewatch this. But it's stuff that I know and love. It is nice to get something that we've never seen. 
Yeah. Right. Um, so I, that's I mean, that's part of the reason I like uh, the having the the patrons come on and do stuff because a lot of times they will pick stuff that we're not as familiar familiar with. Right. Mm-hmm. Which is fu- honestly fun to me. Yeah. It's interesting. All right. Well, that was our recasting of the movie Crossroads. Please join us next time for another top 10 episode. This upcoming patron picked top 10 is going to be all about our favorite cereal mascots. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach us at blastfromourpast at gmail.com. And if you want to suggest a movie or TV show from your childhood or to be a guest on the podcast, go over to patreon.com backslash blastpastcast and pick a tier that works for you. To find us on social media, search for at blastpastcast. So until next time, I'm John. And I'm Adam. And thanks for joining us. See you next time. We wrestled the demon Pazuzu in The Exorcist. Your mother is in here, Karis. Would you like to leave a message? I'll see that she gets it. We hooked the fisherman killer Ben Willis, and I know what you did last summer. Oh, you got a letter? I got run over, Helen gets her hair chopped off, Julie gets a body in her trunk, and you get a letter. That's balanced. We survived a summer away with the angel of death, Angela Baker, in sleepaway camp. Look what I did. I packed you and your cousin some goodies for the ride up to camp. Wasn't that nice of me, hmm? But we ain't seen nothing yet. Join Alex and Dean of the Return Revenge Resurrection Podcast as we go toe-to-toe with the ever-resourceful Michael Myers. I shot him six times! Be there as we discuss the Halloween franchise in its entirety, from John Carpenter's beloved 1978 classic to David Gordon Green's epic forthcoming finale. I shot him in the heart! We cover it all. The good, the bad, and the bloody. Return Revenge Resurrection, a podcast that slashes its way through horror movie franchises. You don't know what death is. New episodes every Thursday, available wherever podcasts are found. I told everyone!